Hello and welcome to Fatima Today. This show is produced by the World Apostle of Fatima USA, Our Lady's Blue Army, and brings topics to you, our viewers, related to the events in the world today. We live in tumultuous times when logic seems to have disappeared and uncertainty hangs over us. Our hope on these programs is to address the issues of the day and find solutions through adherence to the laws of God, especially through the message of Fatima. We ask that you subscribe to this podcast. Well, welcome to Fatima today. I'm your host, Barb Ernster. I'm here with my co-host, Katie Moran. We are doing a series on Lent with Venerable Sister Lucia. So we're continuing this week talking about Fatima as an apostolate on behalf of our brothers and sisters and what that means. So welcome, Katie. Oh, glad to be back. Let's start with a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, thank you. And again, we're going to be talking, uh, doing a series during Lent on on Venerable Sister Lucia and what she, what we can learn from her, especially surrounding the Fatima message. And today, the second week of Lent, we're talking about Fatima as an apostolate on behalf of our brothers and sisters. I'm going to read a quote. One of my favorite quotes from Sister Lucia really helps me understand what it is I'm undertaking when I delve into the Fatima message and what Mary's asking of us. She said, the Fatima message asks us to undertake an apostolate on behalf of our brothers and sisters. It is a continuation of the mission of Christ on earth. We must be co-workers with Christ in his work of redemption, in the salvation of souls. I really love that quote, uh, Katie, and it made me want so much more to be part of this apostle, the Blue Army of Our Lady of Fatima, and learn from our Blessed Mother so that I can be part of her cohort on earth that's following her as our commander-in-chief, as we're the church militant here on earth, and we've got this wonderful mother in heaven who's guiding us and where is she guiding us but directly to christ so what do you what do you take from this quote from sister lucia well obviously when she made it there was the apostolate already founded by john hafford so i'm not sure when she wrote this so she was already excited about it that it was moving forward and it is i mean uh sister lucia calls to mind constantly that we must pray for sinners who have no one to pray for them because so many souls go to hell. And this is the Fatima apostolate. This is the call for anyone who joins this apostolate. It's an apostolate of prayer. And this is what we're doing when we start in during Lent. We want to become prayerful people. We want to uh, increase our prayer life a little bit so that maybe after Lent we will continue it. But I like that she points out in her writings that the postulate we are undertaking has three things to do. We must fulfill our Christian mission as co-workers with Christ and his work with redemption, because we're all called to do that. The apostolate of prayer, because that's what our apostolate is, is one of prayer. And we're also apostolate of self-denial and apostolate of charity. And what's interesting about that, they all insist of our union with our Lord. You know, our Lord says, I abide in you and you abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. But during Lent, we we are doing self-denial. So this Fatima apostolate is really apropos for the season of Lent, if you want to sit and pull that right in there with, with you, you know. And for those of you who are listening that haven't 
become a member of the uh, World Apostle of Fatima, Our Lady's Blue Army, I really strongly suggest you join. You can go to uh, bluearmy.com. I'm sure Barb knows a more quicker way. And just fill out that request to do what Our Lady asked of you. And it'll be it's sent to Fatima and put at the site buried where Our Lady appeared. So yeah, joining yeah. the Apostolate is a wonderful thing to do. And I can't stress enough to do it. Yeah, the Apostolate, when Sister Lucia wrote this quote, she had, I think it was from her book, Calls from the Message of Fatima, which was published in the 1980s. That was after many years of her pondering the message and tying it to scripture. And that's why John Paul II, when he said Fatima is relevant because it is the gospel message. Every Pope since Fatima has upheld this apparition and advanced its, um, its place in the church. It's unprecedented what Fatima means to the church. And it's because it is the gospel message. We know that Paul, St. Paul in his letters, calls us to the same thing. We are to take up the mission of Christ in our bodies. We are to make up in our bodies. We are to offer ourselves. We are the church militant where we're joining Christ at the cross. And so our mission is to, our love in our hearts should be expanded to the point that we are concerned about the salvation of souls of people we don't even know. We're concerned with our brothers and sisters. And so this is a mission, it's an apostolate, where we fulfill our duties every day, fulfill our prayer life, become closer to God in union with him so that our hearts expand to love those beyond ourselves, our families, our neighbors, our friends. You know, we're loving, we want everybody to be saved. And so that's what this is really about. And yes, just like Paul called people to prayer and self-denial and to love God above all else. We're, we're being asked to do that as well. So the apostle to prayer, first thing Lucia talks about, um, we, without prayer, we can do nothing. It's the basis of every other, every other apostolate, everything that we do. It's the basis of our, whether we're going to be effective and fruitful. So let's talk about that. Katie. Well, prayer, I can't imagine nobody not praying. You know, when, when you think about it, um, it's like, how do they start their day without even acknowledging that, yes, God is the most important person and most important in their life. And they want to say, thank you for waking me up today. Thank you for this day that I have a chance to love you. And sometimes people have gotten so taken away from prayer. I think we've raised a couple generations without prayer. I mean, because the family fell apart. The family is the heart of the church. We are the domestic church. And when the family was attacked, which Sister Lucia said that Satan would do, then we saw a falling apart. So families don't pray together. So how do you get a, a couple of generations that have not been raised to pray to start praying again? I mean, I knew, I know you grew up and I grew up saying grace before and after meals, your mother at your bedside at night saying your prayers with you, the family rosary. So it's, it's like, we have a wonderful apostolate and a call. Part of the apostolate is we are praying for people who don't pray and getting and getting it back, getting that grace to come to them because grace doesn't fall unless we want it and accept it. Uh, one of the things that always interested me was Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. You know, St. Catherine Labore noticed some of the gems on her fingers, nothing came off of them, where on other ones, beautiful rays came down. Of course, Our Lady said, these are the graces people nobody, people don't ask for. So maybe your prayer life during Lent can be to pray for those who don't pray so they can start praying. 
Well, and the apostles even asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So he taught them the vocal prayer. We all know that the Lord's prayer, our father. But he also demonstrated frequently in his life how he um, had this union with his father. So he would go out to the desert to pray. He would often retreat and he would, you know, he spent 40 days in the desert doing penance and prayer before he even started his public ministry. And he, so he continuously was offering himself to the father for the salvation of all. And it's by this union of Christ with the father that we also can partake of this when we partake of the Eucharist at mass. And so God, Jesus himself taught us that it's not just vocal prayer, but it's also going off to be alone with God and to just abandon yourself to him. We talk about this often in other shows we've done, you know, the, the, the seeking of Christ in silence and to just sit there with him and let him enter in. You don't have to say anything. You can just meditate, allow him to meditate, you know, allow him to um, bring to your mind something. And so these are ways that we can pray and offer ourselves to God. It may not feel like we're doing anything, but that's when we're allowing God to do his work within us. And that's a, that's a um, it's a great achievement to get to that point where you can just abandon yourself and let God do his work. Yeah, we see in the Old Testament, Moses doing it. How many times did he go up to that Mount Sinai to pray? You know, I mean, so it's it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, that prayer is the basis of how we talk to God. And if they look at prayer as talking to God, having a conversation with God, then I think maybe they're more apt to pray more. Granted, it's sometimes it feels like it's a one-way conversation, you know. But if you don't get quiet and let the Spirit talk to you, then you never know what God's telling you and what he wants you to do. So that's how I look at it. This, this is, we are truly an apostolate of prayer. There are other apostolates out there where prayer is part of it, but prayer is primarily the call for the Fatima apostolate to pray. And I think, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I always tell the young children, like when I speak at schools, um, I would tell them, can you do one thing for me? And they'll look at you and I'll say, can you, Pray one Hail Mary every day for a poor sinner who has no one to pray for them. I don't care if you do it in the morning, afternoon, when you go to bed. And of course, they all raise their hands. And I said, one of the most beautiful things that will happen is when you die, all those souls will be there to greet you. And Moses, Moses demonstrates he was a great intercessor. He was constantly going before God yeah. to appeal to his mercy, to have mercy on them when the when they had sinned. And that's another thing we're doing. We're interceding on behalf of our brothers and sisters, and we're imploring God's mercy for them through our own abandonment of our hearts. And I, I just, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus told St. Faustina that -hmm. the prayer he loves the most is the prayer for the conversion of sinners. And that's often what we're doing in this apostolate. We're praying for the conversion of others and of course ourselves, you know, but Getting back to prayer, you know, the, the one thing that Our Lady wants from us and what our Lord wants is our hearts. We don't have to pray huge amounts of words. We can, if, if we're busy, it's it's how we're praying with our heart. And God will answer every prayer, that, especially if it's really coming from your heart. So even to stop and say a quick Hail Mary or a Glory Be and to really pray with your heart and offer that to the Father, it's like a little child coming and offering you, I'm going to give mom a flower and it might be a dandelion. You know, but they're giving, they want to give 
their mother something nice. And that's how the father accepts our prayers. And we know that St. Therese of Lisieux talked about this often about, you know, being the little child before God and offering him what you can from your heart. And that's, that's important. Now, our apostle also is apostle of self-denial. And this is a good point to talk about now because we're in the second week of Lent. And it's a good time to reflect. Am I following the path that I want to do this Lent? Am I doing self-denial? Am I making sacrifices? Because this is a good time to form the habit. You know, the church calls us to this for Lent, okay? Sacrifice and self-denial. But maybe you haven't been doing it you know, prior to this Lent. And so maybe this is a good time to get into that habit of doing some kind of self-denial and making sacrifices. We've talked in the past of how the children did this. I mean, when you look at a, you know, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old doing these little sacrifices sort of makes you feel guilty when you can't say, no, I won't have dessert today with dinner. I'll pass the dessert. That'll be my offering because I am a dessert lover. Or maybe you will make the sacrifice of biting your tongue instead of giving uh, remarks that, you know, may hurt or just because you want to put something into something, put a jab or being patient, driving through traffic and not getting angry and blaring on that horn unless it's necessary to prevent an accident. I mean, just so many ways of, of doing it, maybe not eating in between meals. You know, every little thing you do is a little sacrifice and it moves you towards it. And self-denial is is definitely part of it because, you know, the message tells us pray and make sacrifices. Right. And make it make of everything a sacrifice. The angel told the three children in 1916, make up everything a sacrifice. And Mary, of course, taught that beautiful little prayer. Whenever you make a sacrifice, say, oh, Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners and for reparation against him blasphemies against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The the thing about self-denial that we always forget is it helps us discipline ourselves so that we can get control over our nature, which always wants to fall, always wants to serve itself. And so it's a disciplinary way. And that's why God asks this of us. He's trying to teach us to become a master and over ourselves. And then we can overcome, we can start to see more clearly where we are weak. And, you know, look at how many people spend so much time. I know I read about Silicon Valley where they spend a lot of time working on their, you know, their, their weight and their, their exercise and their yoga. And they, they, they go on these um, intermittent fasting diets and different ways to, to perfect their bodies. But when we're just denying ourselves for our soul, now we're perfecting ourselves for our eternal home. We're getting our eternal bodies prepared. And so self-denial is, is good for us. It's a good thing to master yourself and overcome these. And Lent calls us to do this. And not to look at it as some dreary thing. Oh, that's right. We have to be sacrificed. No, look at it as I'm going to empower myself from this. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to you know, overcome my weaknesses and I'm going to become stronger spiritually because of this. What's interesting when you're talking about the people that do all this for their physical bodies, you know, and they fast and they, you know, whatever they do and it's, they're not gaining anything spiritual from it. You know, if you're fasting and it's for, for a purely physical reason, you're not gaining graces in heaven for it because you haven't done it, you know, for the love of God, you know, or as little Jacinta would say, have you, have you offered this up? So 
they're they're doing things and they're just not having the right intention for it. You know, they're doing it more, like you said, for physical looks and appearance. And the world, the devil's done a good job of drawing people to this appearance. You know, how do I look? How do I look? Do I look perfect? Do, is everything, you know, and it's good to keep healthy, but um, it's not good if it's, you're consumed with it. And that's, you're just consumed with the here and now and not, like you said, getting our souls spiritually ready for eternity it can become disordered too when people are looking for you know they don't they're they're looking to extend their their mortality they don't want to die they they want to live as long as they can and so it's this it's almost done out of fear of what you know our the our eternal home and so to think about god every day and to make sacrifices for him especially for others others I mean, love is sacrificial. Love wills the good of the other. And so when we're loving God and doing things, prayer and sacrifice for the sake of others, then we are truly demonstrating the love that Christ himself came to teach us, willing the good of others. We don't want others to die and go to hell. We don't want people to, um, you know, miss out on God in their whole life. So there's a lot of people we're praying for. And Our Lady had said in the August apparition, pray and make sacrifices for those who have no one to pray for them because many people go to hell because they have no one to pray and sacrifice. I love that statement from her. It really draws me to pray for many people out there who don't have a single person in their life that cares about them or that will pray for them. I mean, I even saw this myself in a a good friend of mine who died. It just seemed like the family didn't seem to care what what happened to her even after she died and you know I just felt like our love for God should cause us to expand and love our neighbor as well and that's why this is an apostolate that we take up on behalf of our brothers and sisters I think this is why Satan attacks this apostolate so violently you know he comes after it he sees the fruits of what the people do and we're doing what he doesn't want us to do. He really, I mean, his assault against the world, especially in the latter half of the 20th century and into the 21st century, to me has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever had a time. Every, everybody says the times they're living in, they're really bad, but boy, oh boy, I can't imagine things getting worse. I mean, when you think about what went on, on like 20, 30 years ago, even 40 years ago on TV and stuff, there are things that they're doing now on the internet that was unthinkable. I mean, you wouldn't even imagine them being allowed to have done this. And yet it's out there. And it's the attack against the youth, mm-hmm. teens, young children, Satan's going after them. And it's, he's done it through a good medium. You know, the pot, the, um, Facebook, not Facebook so much is their instant. I don't know what the kids are doing now with their phones and stuff, but it's, I call it instant sin which is why parents should not be giving cell phones to young children unless they're really monitoring it and they have to have a very good reason for it. He's taken a media of discussion like the phone and really turned it into an area where it's not good. All things, all things that people invent and create, if done for the greater honor and glory, are good for us. I mean, when we think about it, the internet, there's a lot of bad out there, really, what they call the dark side. But yet you turn around and look at the people who years ago couldn't, maybe couldn't go to Mass every day. So how did they do it? They just sat and prayed. Turn on EWTN 
you go to you go to bluearmy.com for the noon mass. I mean, the internet has a lot of good on it, but people have to know where to go to get it. Yeah, our society has really um, fallen into a lot of lack of civility, lack of decorum, you know, just this unfettered freedom to want to act however you want to act and nobody should care. I mean, I, I just feel like we've just lost the idea of being a lady and a gentleman, mm-hmm. you know, being courteous. We should, do a show. we should do a podcast on modesty. Yeah. And what yeah. it means to be a gentleman and what it means to be a lady. Because my, my mother always are... used to say, act like a lady and you'll be treated like one. That was one of her phrases that stuck with me forever. Act yeah. like a lady and you'll be treated like one. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things um, I have, you know, I, I have four boys and a girl. But one of the things years ago, someone told me about 20 years ago, I can't remember. There was someone that was just friends with the boys. They It wasn't a serious girlfriend. She was just friends. And... Uh, I had come by the the house, the one of my son's houses, and they were there watching a football game. And I was up in the kitchen just doing a few things, cleaning up. And the girl came up and we were talking and she says, you know, I want to tell you something. In this generation, you do not see true gentlemen anymore. She says, I want to thank you for raising your boys to be gentlemen. How often do mothers hear that? Yeah. That they've raised their sons to be gentlemen, you know, mm-hmm. and I just... I was, I was taken back by it, and I, I just sort of thought, wow, I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. So evidently, there's a lot of men out there that are not gentlemen. Yeah, well, we yeah. know that for sure. <laughs> a lot of ladies out there that aren't ladies either. Yeah, it works both ways. Me having four boys, I tend to lean towards more gentlemen, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that type of thing. <clears throat> but the other point of our, our, our apostolate is, is apostolate of charity. And um, I think that's an important one because you love your enemies and you you do good to those who hate you. You know, he said, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. This is the fruit of charity, which burns in the heart of Christ. I mean, anybody who says, I can't forgive somebody, I tell them, look at the cross. Mm -hmm. Look at what Jesus forgave. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in this apostolate, we have to be apostolate of charity. We have to be apostolate of love. And during Lent, that's a time to reevaluate. Do I hold any ill feelings to anybody, family, friends? And I'll tell you, it seems to be more in families today. I don't know what you think about that. More and more families, you've got siblings that don't talk to each other, you know? Of course, you've got, you got parents that are divorced and maybe hate each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think sometimes I've heard from some people, they say, well, we, I don't even remember why I don't talk to my siblings anymore. It's, you know, they don't even remember what it was that caused the rift. Yeah, and that's that's the sad part. That is the absolute sad part. They get to a point where they, they don't even know what they were mad about. Mm-hmm. And so they both just go through life until maybe one of them dies and they go to their funeral and they're crying over them and wondering why they didn't talk to them. <clears throat> so it's it's an we are an apostolate of charity. We are an apostolate that looks to our neighbor. What can we do for them? You know, we're praying for them. We're doing acts of self denial for them, and so this charity comes back to us a hundredfold. And again, when when we love God and we love we we take on the heart of Mary, who yeah. loved God above all. She. You know, our hearts expand. Our our love should expand in our hearts and to, to have love for those we don't even know. Um, you know, many people make a consecration to Mary. They follow a 33-day preparation program and they make a consecration to him or to her, to Jesus through Mary. 
but how do we live this every day? It's not just something you, you do and, and okay, check, I did that Catholic devotion. Now what's next? I mean, our, if we're going to make a consecration to Jesus through Mary, we're committing to abandoning everything to him as she did and trying to live with the, you know, a disciple's heart. And she leads us that way. I love how John Haffert described our apostolate, what the blue army of our lady was. He said, the blue army is a response to the message of Fatima, a silent army on its knees with hearts open to the heart of Mary. I love that. We're a silent army on our knees and hearts open to the heart of Mary because Mary's always going to lead us to Christ. And that's what Lucia's mission was given to her to spread the devotion to the Immaculate Heart throughout the world. And she did this by living it. And I love her book calls from the message of Fatima because she takes everything that Mary asked of us at Fatima and she draws it back to scripture. This is nothing new under the sun. Everything Mary was teaching us is from the gospel message. And so to re remind ourselves what Jesus was teaching us and Mary just reiterates his, she was a, she, she was the greatest disciple there was. She's just reiterating to us what it was that he was trying to teach us and demonstrate by his life. Yeah. One thing I recommend if, you know, this is the second week of Lent, if you still haven't found the, what you want to read and meditate on, and I recommend getting calls, go to shockfatima.com. I mean, it's not a book where you have to sit down and read their short little chapters, you know, I forget yeah. how many calls there were. Yeah, it's a very interesting book, and it's it's only published in Portugal. So even yeah. when we bring them back to our store in our New Jersey shrine, uh, we actually hand carry them back from Portugal. So even if you go to Amazon and try to find it, you might find one, but it might be very expensive. You can also yeah. get it at the EWTN catalog as well. So our gift shop online is shopfatima.com, calls from the message of Fatima. That was Lucia's letter to the world all the people that would call contact her through letters and come to see her and they were always asking the same questions that was her final letter to the world of what the fatima message truly is about it's a really rich and deeply spiritual book wonderful book and she writes so eloquently and she she writes you know so clearly as well lucia was always clear in how she she was very prudent in how she delivered the message she took pains to write clearly to people. And it's scripture based. Yes. I mean, she's constantly, she really, really knew the Bible and scripture. I mean, when you read that, that's, that's not somebody that just quotes. She's, she knows where to go and where to find it. So as you're reading, whatever call you're reading, and it's not a long reading. I mean, it's not like you're going to have to spend hours to go through it. <clears throat> it's something maybe you can do one call every other day, or if you have one that really touches your heart, one of the calls. In fact, um, with on Radio Maria, you and I, Barb, last year did, we spent one show each week Just on, on that Mount Fatima, yes. discussing each one of these calls and going into them in detail. And I know they're back there. They're there if you want to download them and listen to it. But uh, this is one thing. If you really want to know what it is to live the Fatima message, get that book and read it, especially during Lent. And it shows how we are an apostolate of prayer. We're apostolate of self-denial and sacrifice. And we're apostolate of charity because it is in charity that we pray for those who have no one to pray for them. And our Lord, this is what he's asked for yeah. through his mother, through her immaculate heart. 
and, and there's yeah and there's still time during lent to take up i know sometimes we we get started in lent we have all these great intentions and within a couple of days we're falling flat so <laughs> we have six weeks to pick ourselves up and carry on and and so take up this apostolate you can go to bluearmy.com and go to the apostolate tab and click on that and you'll see how you can join it's very simple it's a spiritual join we're not going to follow up with you and chase you down but we're asked we're following the, the messages of our, our lady of fatima we're taking them into our heart and we're becoming an apostolate on behalf of our brothers and sisters and mary will give us the graces we need mary will you know she surprises us with many gifts and favors and graces when we do take up discipleship for her son and that's what we're really doing here and she wants to form us in holiness form us in love and direct us to her son jesus and so that's all we've got for today. Katie, do you want to have any final words? Just if you're an avid reader, go see what books they have on Fatima. Bish, uh, Walsh's book, Our Lady of Fatima, is one of the best ones out there to pick up and read. It was written in the late 40s, early 50s. Yeah, that one's hard, kind of hard to find. You might have to look on the used books market for that one. Find that one, yeah. William Walsh. William Walsh. William Walsh. I was going to say Thomas also is William Walsh. It was one of the first books I read on Fatima. So that's my recommendation. Yeah. It's good to go back to some of them earlier books because they were the earliest records um, after yeah. the apparitions. And so you learn a lot of detail that's kind of lost through history. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Katie and I will be back again next week to talk another topic with Venerable Sister Lucia, letting her teach us as we move our way through Lent. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.